0: Just go to
1: cars.com. It's magical.
0: On today's Patriot nation podcast, we have Evan Lazar from CLNS media. He is always a great conversation. Uh, One of the, just just the absolute tape eaters of Twitter and uh, you know, a really, really fun conversation as well. So uh, definitely stick around for that. We have a little bit of dolphins talk, but the dolphins suck. So like, really we don't have much of that and a little bit of Eli Manning talk as well. So, It's gonna be a heck of a show, so buckle up and cue the music.
1: Stack receivers two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands he has. Wilson,
2: quick throw, and it's intercepted! Intercepted by
1: the Buffalo.
0: I mean it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> it's been a
1: lot of fun man, but it's also like we talk about with Evan it's it's also a little boring too and I sound like right. you sound like such a pest like come on give me some I mean, good football but you wait so long for it it's just right. I mean obviously Pittsburgh it, it was you know the anticipation was through the roof it's supposed to be a good game and right. now it's like Miami the Jets Buffalo Washington yeah. the Giants like come on like give me give me KC Philly I know it's, it's you got to wait Buffalo a little bit wait, good right I'm now. S- yeah, come on, like come on now. <laughs> Who do they beat the, the Jets and Giants? Like, come on. Yep,
0: yep, the Jets and the Giants. So they are the king of the Meadowlands. All games of the Meadowlands. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, obviously, you're right. You know, like Tom Brady's the third winningest quarterback in the history of of uh, of Ralph Wilson Stadium. So I mean, like, you know, it's, I know. it's a little <laughs> ridiculous.
2: But um,
0: but either way, it's you know so. It's, it's fun, but it's been fun. I mean, 76 to three, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. And, uh, you know, the defense has been just absolutely lights out. And obviously Antonio Brown gets in and does well. And we talk about that with Evan, obviously, but, um, but one thing I wanted to talk about before we, before we get started, is I had, I had a revelation. Well, not even a revelation. I had, I had a, a, a possibly life-changing experience my neighbor down the street has, uh, has direct TV. He's got the Sunday ticket, man. And this dude, He's got eight games going at once. So it's one big T. He's got like a 75-inch TV, so it's huge. And so my girls both had Girl Scouts. So my wife is bringing the girls back and forth, the Girl Scouts, and they're playing outside. But I brought my son over. He's got two little kids. So my son's playing with his kids. His wife is there kind of hanging, and the kids are just playing. Like, they're just having fun. And uh, and we're, we're on his couch watching this TV, bro, and there's eight games going on at once, eight. Like, eight little boxes going on all See, the morning, you- all the 1 o'clock games are going on at the same time.
1: Just when you think red zones like tapped and just like, I always sit there Sundays yeah. with, you know, watching football. It's just like, it's right. crazy. But now, and that's why I obviously heard about this, but I didn't know, you know, the different features that you kind of went into. Yeah. Like, like you said, that's like, I'd have like a panic attack. I don't know what I'd want to like look at. It's like, I need to get that though. Like, seriously.
0: My, it's crazy. Like, my head hurt after three hours of watching because I was like trying to focus on eight different games you know and like I said if the Patriots were in like a tight a tightly contested game I would have lost my mind because I would have had to have watched every single second of the game and I I saw basically every play the Patriots and Dolphins ran from the game anyways but when it's in a small box like that and you got a bunch of other stuff going on it's hard to focus on one game at once but the coolest thing about this is that the audio is just based on where you're scrolling So if you're scrolling and you stop on one of the games, you get the audio from that game, but then you want the audio from a different game. So you scroll over to that game and you stop there and the audio is from that game. And it's, it's wild. Now, meanwhile, you also have all the games on a separate channel as well. So if you like, so at points, like there was nothing really going on with the other games. I think the Patriots were like done quick. So the second half had started and there was already halftime the other games. So it was like, all right, Patriots were going, and we would just watch just the Patriots game at the start of the second half because, there was no really other games on it. He's a Redskins fan, so we were flipping back and forth between Peaches and Redskins for a little while in the full screen. And then we went back to the, the you know, the, the Octo Box. I don't even know what you'd call it, Octo, that's a dope name. <laughs> it's like an IMAX, <laughs> it's like an IMAX inside. It's like an IMAX I got to reach out. I got to reach out to, uh, to DirecTV because the Octo Box is a dope name, so I gotta oh, we gotta oh, trademark gosh. that or something. Sell it. Maybe we'll get a them. sick
1: studio with the money you get from that. <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be right. That'd be nice. <laughs> so,
0: but anyways, it was like it was crazy, and I was just trying try to focus on everything, but it was so much in all game long, like all morning. I'm watching every game, and I felt like I'm part of every game, and my head's spinning because I'm like, "What the hell's going on here?" And then we're like, "Oh my god, huge play here!" And then we, so it's just it was uh it was crazy, but it was a lot of fun. And he also has these things where, like, he, uh for fantasy purposes at least, he can, like, set alerts on specific players. So, like, if someone has a big play, it'll come up on the screen. It's like, oh, you know, Austin Eckler, I mean, 35-year touchdown. I lose and I so like, 70% come up of my the, battery. Bottom, like, what? Dude, you what? yo, know, it's crazy. And I was like, wait a second. That. What the hell is that? And he's like, "Oh, that's my little fan. That's my little ticker there." And you go in and you can click the players that you want, and it's organized by team. It's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's crazy. And he's like, he's, he's always texting me. He's texting me all weekend about like this play and that play. And I'm like, "How the hell is he watching all these games, dude?" And like that's how he's doing it. He's. I'm like, "Oh man." So I'll be, you know, I know the. I'm convinced that Bills game might actually not be the worst game ever, but. They're probably gonna suck but either way I, I, I'm gonna be there another another weekend you know certainly during the Patriots bye week for sure I'll be there so oh yeah um, have to. but it's have uh to. dude it was it was wild it was wild yeah it was fun so anyways I'm sure tons of people have direct TV and this isn't new and people were listening like dude, what is this kid like
1: you know fast forward like hit four, the
0: 14 buttons four <laughs> over here but but you know it's <laughs> like whatever dude it was so it was it was wild so um so it was interesting man and the octoball was just it was crazy like I said, man, I had a headache at four o'clock. We left oh. there, and my head was like, was like Imagine pounding because I had just You'd spent be like, like so
1: long. If you were oh, drinking no, heavily, I, it would have been game over.
0: No, oh, I've been puking everywhere; it would have been awful.
1: <laughs> so, but um. But anyways, it was page, it was Pat.
0: So no, 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 <laughs> no. I'm long past that. So, but anyways, that that's all, man. And look, the just complete annihilation. Obviously. You you know, some of the injury concerns and everything else. And we'll get into that with Lazar. But, but I mean,
1: dude, this team is just,
0: this team is just loaded. It's, loaded, it's a man. lot of fun. So it's been down. a lot of fun to watch this team. So, far.
1: so much talent. I mean, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm more of an offensive guy. Just, you know, I really want to see what they can draw up from a scheme perspective with Brown. Like we saw some simple routes from him. Uh, but obviously, you know, the more comfortable he gets, and we kind of talked about this with Devin. It's just going to be interesting to see yeah. how they use him because he's so he's just so smart he's so talented, right? I mean, just t- strictly talking on the field. Um, but it, it's just going to be insane with the, the amount of weapons they have, and then defense they have. Some dogs on defense, man. Like seriously, like oh, yeah. they.
0: <laughs> yep. No, it's great, man. It's uh, it's been it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun the, the rest of the season. So. So anyways, we're gonna get into that lazar interview uh before we do though a w- little bit of news here from from the uh Pat's pulpit podcast network uh, which which uh Mark has been calling it, and I love that name, so i'm just gonna i'm gonna start calling it that too uh we have a show seven days a week for you guys uh matter of fact, eight shows eight days a week I don't know but you know a little it's a little Beatles throwback. I don't know how many of you know the beatles but eight days de- eight days a week uh we have a show for you we have eight shows a week for you and we are just banging a moment There's a show every single day now. Uh, Monday is the Sco show, Tuesday is Pat's Pulpit Podcast, Wednesday is the Sco show, Thursday is the Sco show and Pat's Pulpit Podcast. Friday is our show, the Pat's Pat- Nation Podcast. Saturday is a new show and we're calling it the Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind and it's a really fascinating show if you haven't heard it. I like it a lot and what what he does is pulls out little little bits and pieces of each episode that aired over the week. So it's just a quick little snippet from each show. And it's really cool. It's a really cool way to kind of catch up on, on what you may have missed. Maybe you don't have eight hours to listen to the show. So you, you know, you listen to one or one or two of the shows and then, but on that radio rewind, that's about a half an hour long. You can catch little snippets of each show. It's great. And then on Sunday, we started last week. I was, I did it for the first time, but a rapid reaction, kind of an instant reaction of the game came out a little bit later than we want last week but it's going to be coming out you know hopefully within an hour or two of the game finishing uh on Sundays and we're just we're trying to bang out as much content as possible for you guys people are listening people are downloading we're up over 3,000 downloads an episode and so you know we are people want it and we're trying to give it to them as much as we can and uh you know we appreciate it we can't do it without you guys out there listening and so you know, we're just trying to trying to give you guys the mo- the most the most amount of content we can, and also while keeping it fresh and interesting and new as well.
1: Yeah, it's it's. I mean, seriously, it's accustomed to the hard work everybody puts in, and you know, uh, like I like you said, that Saturday show that Mark kind of does is it's just awesome, right? You can catch yeah. everything. Uh, you know, plugs everybody in the network. Like you said, Mark's a busy, busy man with the amount of shows and content oh, yeah. he puts out a week. And then, you know, us two work hard, and, and Alec and and Rich. So, um, it's uh, it's awesome to be a part of. And like, we're, we're always thinking on the fly here, right? I mean, yeah, we we'll probably fun. come up with something new next week. But whatever, it, it, yeah, we'll we'll go, we'll roll with it, and we'll we'll do fine. So, well,
0: and that's it. You know, and the and the people that make it are are the people that you know that want the content. And so we're trying to we're trying to give you guys all the content that you guys want. And, uh, you know, and that sad, that Sunday show is going to kind of be rotating in and out. It's not going to be a, a regular show. I mean, it's gonna be a regular show every week, but it's not going to be a regular set of people when we could le- this week. It, could, it was le- it was me. This upcoming week could be, you know, me and someone else. It could be spags and someone else. We, You know, you're not going to really know what's going on. It's just going to kind of be like, hey, you know, it's going to be one of the guys from the Pat's pulpit podcast network. Maybe two, maybe someone else from Pat's pulpit, who knows? So uh, it's, it's going to be fun. That's going to be a really fun one. And, again, that's another quick one, 15, 20 minutes, boom, here's the show. You get a full breakdown the next day from the Sco show. So, uh, so it's really good. And, again, it's just because you guys are out there, you know, consuming the content and, you know, let us know. If you guys have any ideas for things that you want to see, um you know let us know what you'd like to see and 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 we'll we'll try our best to get to get that out to you so um you know we appreciate you guys listening and we appreciate you guys interacting and so so we're excited we're excited to bring you this and we're excited about the season because it's i mean we're the luckiest team in the world man we got the best team we got the best team you can ask for and uh, and we got the best fans you can ask for and we're just going to kind of keep keep throwing things out there for you man so all right so that's it so let's get into that Lazari interview uh it's a great interview like i said stick around for it it's a lot of fun and uh, and we'll be back, we'll be back next week. Uh, next Sunday. Next um sorry, next not next Sunday Reno. next Reno. Friday and perhaps even on Sunday, you never know. Before we get you into that Evan Lazar interview, just a quick word from our sponsors.
2: This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay.
0: Hello, I'm Chip Murphy. Here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down. We break down
2: who will be cutting cut!
1: Just go to fritolaysnackat.sbnation.com. No purchase necessary.
0: Sweepstakes ends 4/3/2023. Void wherever hit. Here's worth the snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at fritolaysnackat.sbnation.com. All right, and without further ado, let's get you into that interview with Evan Lazar. All right, we're going to welcome on to the show a patriot, the Patriots reporter from CLNS. Uh if you're on Twitter, you already know his name. Evan Lazar, thanks Evan for coming on. We appreciate it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Always a
1: good time with you guys. So Evan, I guess we'll yeah, jump good, right man. into it. Um obviously we can't break down. We were talking about this pre recording, pre-show. Can't not not much to break down from the Miami game, right? I mean, it was like a preseason game. And like we said, no Antonio Brown. I, I think everybody Pat's Twitter would be like yawning for two weeks straight with even the Jets coming into town now. But um I guess we'll start with the with with the hot topic, right? I mean, how did, you know. Obviously, on TV we get a decent look, but how did Antonio Brown look? Not only on the field, right from the from from the naked eye, but just how he fit in, how the buzz was around the stadium, what he kind of looked like with his teammates.
2: Yeah, it was pretty crazy, pretty surreal before the game, especially the amount of reporters and uh, cameramen, especially that were huddled around Antonio Brown during his pregame warm up. It was insane. It was like you know a, a, a bigger celebrity than Antonio Brown had just walked onto the field. And, you know, I think the biggest thing about what he did during the game was that it wasn't so one dimensional as I expected. Last year with Josh Gordon, he played 18 snaps in his first game with the Patriots. So, similar usage in terms of snap rate. Uh, Brown played 24 on Sunday, but. Josh Gordon ran out out to the boundary. He played his X spot on the right side of the formation and he ran, you know, a slant, he ran a go, he ran a dig, and that was about it. I think he ran one quick hitter, you know, a little screen pass or something like that. Right. And it, that was about it. It wasn't a whole lot of diversity, right? And and they threw the ball to him one time, one target, he caught it, and and that was it. With Antonio Brown, he's on the left side, he's on the right side, he's in the slot, he's on the boundary, he's taking jet sweep handoffs, he's running a bunch of different routes in the route tree he's catching touchdown passes in his first game There was a lot more there than I expected for somebody that had just been in the building for less than a week. So I do think that that signals to me that his chemistry with Brady is a little bit natural, which is obviously a great sign. And I do think it's a big credit to his football IQ and his ability to absorb information that he was able to learn that much of the offense that quickly. And uh, Belichick talked about it actually before the game on Friday during his weekly press conference. And he said, you know, you kind of have to decide either – you put him in one personnel grouping and he's in that grouping and he learns just that grouping or you pick, you know, 10 to 15 concepts and you teach him those plays and those plays only. And those are the ones that he's in on. It looked to me like they went the concepts route and they just right. had him learn a couple of the staples and they went from there and it seemed to work out pretty well.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously the, you know, it was funny. It was almost like at the beginning of the game where, you know, he'd come in, they'd throw it to him. He'd catch it. Then And he'd come out and they'd run it. Then he'd go back in and they'd throw it to him and he'd catch it. And it was just like back and forth. And it was it was fun to watch. And and, you know, regardless of what the rooting interests are, where, you know, whether you like him or not, as a fan, you're just you're excited to see that talent, that caliber of talent on the field with Brady again. And man, it was just it was it was exciting to watch where he's making these plays and you're like, This guy just walked in here this week and he's making these plays alright.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a testament. And listen, we're all in a tough place talking about this and fans are in a tough place rooting for it because of what is going on off the field. But if we just look at it from an on-the-field perspective, his talent is obviously so it's so obvious that he can transcend the fact that maybe this is a very complex offense and you got to read leverages and learn how to read coverages on the fly and adjust your route based off of those coverages and all those things that we talk about with this offense and why it's so difficult to pick up four receivers. And I think Antonio Brown is just so darn talented that A lot of that stuff doesn't really matter. And you saw it on the touchdown. It's like, you know, just run a fade and catch the ball, you know. And and that's exactly what he did. And there were obviously some plays late where the communication wasn't great and the connection with Brady wasn't great. They tried another back shoulder fade and Brown didn't look for the ball. Then Brady underthrew him on the pass where Brown smoked Eric Rowe at the line of scrimmage, and that should have been a touchdown. And that one's more on Brady than on Brown. Certainly, but those kind of little bits of disconnect were kind of there. But I do think that they have a pretty good idea already of how they're going to use him, and they also have a pretty good idea that he's gonna be really, really good in this offense. So the sky's the limit if he stays on the field.
0: Right. No, it's 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 true. It's we're looking it's it's I can't honestly I can't even like bring the words up because it's so interesting as to what's happening because it's just Gordon and Brown, and uh, Edelman, and Dorsett, and James what? and you're just like, this is just, it's insane. And, the, you know, what they have, and it, speaking of Dorsett, you know, uh, Badar wrote an article this week about, you know, Dorsett should ask for a trade because it's, you know, it's ridiculous that he's being forced to be, you know, the fourth or fifth option in this offense, and he really has the talent that exceeds that, Um which which is just ridiculous, but whatever. But I, I think I just – I laughed when I saw it because these same people that are saying these things now were the ones that were saying last year when Dorsett looked like he was probably going to be the number two receiver at the beginning of the season, oh, my God, this is, you know, Brady's worst uh, receiving core he's ever had. How could they ever win with this receiving core? And Dorsett was the number two at that point. So now he's he's too good to be the number four, but, you know, it's a, it's a dumpster fire if he's the number two. I, I just – it's just – It's just a a situation where it's like something has to be wrong at all times.
2: Yeah, I think that the biggest thing with Dorsett is I do want to give credit to him and the fact that I think he's gotten a lot better over the summer and it's starting to kind of carry over into the season as well. And I I do wonder if there is a little bit of Troy Brown effect with what Dorsett is doing at the top of the route. We always knew he was fast. You know, that's been apparent his entire career. That's why he was a first-round pick. And now he's starting to be able to break at the top of his route without losing momentum, without slowing down. And that makes him obviously an extremely difficult cover because he's running four three at you full speed like to play the third and 17 play for example against miami this past week he's running full speed at the corner and the corner has to respect the fact that dorsett's running four three right at him and then dorsett stops on a dime and cuts out to the sideline and he really didn't lose very much of his momentum in that break and i think that that's a little bit of the troy brown effect I, troy i said a few years ago on tv when they first got philip dorsett that he wishes that he could work with Dorsett on his route breaks, his moves at the top of the route, because he could teach him how to not slow down. And that's what we're seeing a lot with Dorsett now, and the other thing that we're seeing with them is that his usage is changing just slightly. They're playing him a little bit more in the slot, and they lost, obviously, Gronk and Gronk's ability to stretch the seam as a vertical threat from inside the formation. So now they're using Philip Dorsett in that role. It's obviously different than what they have with Gronk because Gronk's a different player. It's more of a physical thing with Gronk at six foot seven and the catch radius and the ability to fight off guys, whereas with Dorsett, it's just that he's running through the defense at a very high rate but it's working either way. So a little bit more in the slot for him, a little bit better at the top of the route. And you obviously know the the physical gifts of his speed are, have always been there.
0: Yeah, no, I I think he's going to be this year's Danny Amendola. And I know, I think what you said is, is correct that they're not necessarily using him like Amendola, but you know, you look at it, it's what Brady's 23 for 23 in the last on his last 23 targets to, to, uh, to Dorset, And he's, when I say amandola, I mean like he's almost his security blanket where he feels like if I need a big play, I know I can look at Dorset and he's going to get open and he's going to make the play when it when the ball gets to him.
2: Yeah, and I think that there's certainly, you know, Dorsett talked a lot about in the preseason. I I talked to him about the chemistry growing with Brady, and he feels like him and Tom are really on the same page now and see the field the same way and expect the same routes. And he knows, like, kind of all the little details and coaching points that he needs to know about how exactly Brady wants routes run in certain situations. And he's done great with that. I think the biggest thing, too, just to answer, I didn't really answer your question about the Bedard piece, I think Dorsett, I could totally see from his perspective, especially with Antonio Brown, what's going on with him off the field, that he would feel slighted by the move and by the decision to play Brown over him if it does eventually come to that. But if you're the Patriots, I don't know how in the world you could trade Dorsett right now when you have Brown who's basically, you know, halfway to the commissioner's exempt list at this point in a suspension and he got josh gordon who's the most unreliable player maybe on the planet right now we obviously are all rooting for josh gordon but the point of the matter is that this team cannot count on josh gordon to be here for 16 plus games they can count on philip dorsett to do that so it might be a situation like bedard wrote where dorsett is doesn't play a whole lot because he's the fourth receiver and Gordon and Brown and Edelman are getting those snaps and then come January, like last year, they might call upon Dorsett and he might need to play. And yeah, that might be a little bit unfair, but from a team perspective, that depth is extremely important, especially with the question marks that they have.
1: So, and and you, you know, obviously Dorsett's, you know, kind of looking up at the depth chart, right. And Edelman, AB and Gordon are ahead of him, but, you know, we saw a lot of Josh Gordon, Philip Dorsett, um, you know, Julian Edelman, Antonio Brown, and James White, Rex Burkett on the field. You know, that one time they had, I believe it was White on the Brown touchdown. They had White in the backfield, threw him out wide, had five wide, and they hit Brown on the smash fade. Um, is that kind of, you know, we're going to see a lot of that from Dorset where they're going to,
2: you know, go four wide receivers? Yeah, we're learning a lot uh, in New England about personnel groupings. <laughs> That's for sure. You Honestly, know, 10, though,
1: seriously. Ten personnel. <laughs> crazy
2: two running back pony sets that we obviously all know about 21. We know of 11 is the traditional three wide receiver that everybody in the league runs. The thing that's interesting about it is is it really shows a lot of the different arrays of ways that you can run an offense. Because for example, Sean McVay in LA, he runs three wide receiver 96, 97% of the time. They are an 11 personnel team and they stay in that personnel grouping for the entire game. The Patriots, on the other hand, are like a hockey team, right? Like they're bringing okay. lines in and out and it's they're changing personnel groupings from play to play to play. And my sheet when I charted on game day, it goes, you know, three pages long because they keep on changing the personnel groupings all the time the 10 personnel thing, I, I I think it's like their version of the death lineup. Remember we called the Warriors that death lineup that they had with KD and Steph? And this is like their version of the death lineup when they throw Gordon and Brown and Edelman and White and Dorsett out there. There's so much speed. There's so much versatility. Everybody can play all over the formation. And I think the best part of it is too, is that James White, his versatility as both a runner and a pass catcher, just adds such a great element to it because if they put five or six guys in the box to commit all the resources to stopping these four wide receivers, Brady can just motion Edelman or James White back in in the backfield and hand the ball off to him and he's gonna have an easy box to run against and they're gonna gain yards on the ground that way. So it's a really it's a pick your poison type situation because of the versatility of White and Burkhead, their ability to run routes and catch passes as well as run the ball between the tackles that it makes them really really dynamic and versatile and multiple and that's going to be a nightmare for every defensive coordinator and I don't know if there's a secondary in the league that can cover those five eligibles when they go empty or even if they just go four wide with James White in the backfield I mean maybe only the Patriots have the depth and secondary to cover all those guys and it's, I think it's a great situation to have obviously I mean it's coming down to it it feels like practice for these guys, at least in terms of the first eight weeks of the season, that practice is going to be way, way harder than the game. Yeah. So it's just just incredible.
0: It is funny. It is funny. And I'll tell you, it's one of the reasons why if they can actually use Sony as a receiver, they will be so much more dynamic on offense because he's a better runner than James White, obviously. And they like running the ball better with him than they do with James White. Um, You know, as far as like establishing the run wise. And then if he can be dynamic in the passing game as well, now you can trot out that same line, but then it's like, what are you going to do? How are you going to stop them? So uh, that does make it interesting. But um, one thing I did want to kind of transition to, and you could talk about this on thing if you want, but one of the things I wanted to transition to was the offensive line. Uh, you know, obviously we get the injury to Isaiah Wynn, so he goes on the IR. He's not eligible to come back for um, for eight weeks, and so that's obviously a problem. Hopefully Cannon will be back this week. It looks like he, he will be, I think. Um, You know, back this week. And so obviously you're already missing David Andrews. So you have Karras in the middle. He's looked pretty good other than the slow snaps. But, um, you know, I I would think there's a, a decent amount of concern here. And do you think that Tooney will be sliding over to play tackle or do you think that one of these new tackles is going to be the starting left tackle?
2: Yeah, I think that really if we didn't have Antonio Brown to talk about and the fact that this team is just blowing the doors off of the first two opponents, that the offensive line would be talked about a whole lot more than it even is. And I think it's starting to gain steam now, obviously, with the win injury. This is a major storyline for this team going forward is how they're going to patch this thing together, at least until Wynn gets back. And I think the biggest thing is, is we all love Dante Scarnecchia. We all think that he's incredible. And there's ways to do it, right? If you put Newhouse at left tackle, it's a, it's he's a, a below replacement level tackle. It's going to be a slog with him there. But if you put Newhouse at at left tackle, you can slide the protection that direction. You can leave a tight end to block. You can chip with the running backs. You can obviously get the ball out of Brady's hands quickly, which they want to do anyways. So there's all sorts of things that you can do. And it certainly helps when you have guys like Brown and Edelman that are going to get open so quickly that it really isn't going to be like Brady's got to hang back in the pocket for that long anyways. But I think that this is a really a major thing. And I think the biggest concern that I have with it more so than maybe the pass protection is actually how they're going to be able to run the ball um, with the group that they have up front, I think that we kind of underrated how much they lost with Andrews and Trent Brown and obviously Gronk as well. And the running game has kind of shown early on in the season that they it really does miss those guys in, in, in that facet of the game in terms of blocking up front. So I think that that's a big concern, too. But like I said, there's ways to scheme around it. You know, I think a big thing that they'll probably do moving forward is leave a tight end in to block because if you have had four guys sending out into the pattern, into the pattern anyway, that are Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon, and Julian Edelman and Philip Dorsett, you really don't need a fifth guy, right? right? Like it's not the end of the world that there's only four guys out there because that's really the only schematic setback is that you only have four guys running routes if you leave a tight end in or if you leave the back end. So that's the, really the only downside to it. But when you have such talented players as the four other guys, it's not as big of a concern. So I think that they can work around it. They'll figure out ways to scheme it up, and Dante Scarnecchio will certainly figure out ways to get Newhouse into like a, at least a serviceable level of play. Now, about Joe Tooney, I think it's interesting that – What we'll see uh, on Sunday, if they kick him out to left tackle, that tells me that they're a little bit concerned about Isaiah Wynn's status, because I would think that if Wynn is going to come back in eight weeks, that they would like to really build the continuity of that interior three with Karras now being in the middle instead of Andrews. So if their plan is to have Wynn for the stretch run and have him for the postseason, then I would keep those three where they're at. But there's no doubt about it that Joe Tooney is now the best left tackle on the team that is healthy. You know, he's the best guy to put in that spot if they have to go that direction. But I I don't know what they look at it. Do they look at Newhouse? as a bigger drop off, or do they look at James Ferrens and Jermaine Illuminor as bigger drop offs with Tooney kicking out? That's kind of the question. It's a lot of moving parts. You know, like I said, if this was a better if this was a worse team in the other phases of the game, if they didn't have Tom Brady, if they didn't have the receivers that they have, if they didn't have the defense they have, this would be kind of a Achilles heel that would really ruin a lot of team seasons if they didn't have the coaching and the players around them.
0: Right. Any chance? Any chance you think they uh, try to make a move for Trent Williams, the uh, the big left tackle holding out in Washington? I'm sure they want a first round pick, but you know if it gets to a point where they are uncomfortable with it, maybe the Patriots don't love the win. You, you know what's going on with the win situation. Um, you know, do you think? Do you think maybe they pull the trigger on that?
2: Yeah, so I got in trouble today doing a video on this because I went about four minutes on the cap and vacations of Trent Williams. (laughs) So I'll try to make it shorter this time. The Patriots can't afford Trent Williams. That's that's really the biggest kind of hurdle in this entire situation. Now, they signed Antonio Brown. They are positioning themselves to be, like they are every year, win now. So it would right. make a whole lot of sense to go out and make the move for Trent. You don't stop like you don't go seventy five percent of the way and then stop, right? But the biggest <laughs> concern that you have with the with the cap is that Trent Williams' cap number right now, if they made a trade for him, is over nine million dollars for the rest of the season. They only have four million dollars in space. Now how can they work around it to afford Trent Williams? Because the cap is fungible and you can do things to kind of trick it. I think the biggest thing that they could do is they have Devin McCourty and they have Dante Hightower at very high cap numbers this season. If they sign those guys to contract extensions right now, they can feasibly lower their 2019 cap numbers to the point where they could maybe fit Trent Williams under the cap. Because remember, it's different than with Antonio Brown, because with Antonio Brown. He was a free agent, so they could structure his contract to make his cap number in 2019 low so they could afford to sign him. But Trent Williams, they need to get him under the cap before the league will even let the move go through with a transaction wire. So they need to figure out how to get the cap space. The only way to do it is to extend those guys or include one of those guys in the trade for Trent Williams, which I'm not trading Dante not Hightower or Devin no. McCourty. Hell so that that's probably not going to happen either. So that's the biggest hurdle that they have is with the cap and getting Trent Williams under the cap, which is a lot harder and not as easy as it would seem as to those people that think that the cap is bullshit.
0: Yeah. Don't tell Felger that. So,
1: (laughs) um, but you know, obviously, um, the dolphins suck, right? So, I mean, but still 43, nothing, they shut him out and they looked fantastic. Um, you know, versus Pittsburgh, Any, everything they threw at him, you know, Big Big Ben had no answer for. So, and and that's another kind of topic in, in a, that Antonio Brown is kind of taking all the spotlight away from is how good this defense is, right? I mean, obviously it's yeah. been talked about, but he's sucking up, you know, 75, 80% of the media in this town and nationally. Uh, but they, I mean, they look unbelievable. I mean, talk about the addition of Jamie Collins and what he's been able to do with this defense, the way they've been able to to, to use him and, and, you know, really get the best out of him, right? I mean, I don't remember him being this dominant his first time around, right?
2: Yeah, I think the first time around, we, the physical flashes were always there. It was consistency that was kind of a problem with him. And I think what they've, Really been kind of surprised by when in his return is how much he's been able to his football IQ and his processing skills and his ability to absorb information from a coaching and a scheming and a game plan standpoint, I think is well beyond where it was when he was here the first time. So he's really grown as a player in that respect and the mental aspects of the game, which allow him to now play on the line of scrimmage and off the line of scrimmage, which typically is a role that they've really only had guys like Hightower, like Kyle Van Noy, uh, back in the day, like Mike Rabel and Ninkovich. Those are always been high football IQ players. That's kind of always been their their M.O. So Jamie Collins was never that type of guy, but he's came come back this time. And he's really been that kind of guy. And I think that his versatility has added a lot to that linebacking core because he can run sideline to sideline faster than anybody else that they had. And they can really use him in a lot of different spots and get creative with him. But he's really played a lot on the line of scrimmage. And that's where he was a lot in that Miami game. And he's really just wreaked havoc. You know, tight ends don't have a lot of chances against him to block him because he's quick and he's got a really great first step off the line. Like that jet sweep that we saw – you know, he kind of went off script a little bit that and went with more instincts on that play than playing his assignment play. which would just to set the edge. But he has such a great first step in snap recognition that he was in the backfield before the it seemed like before the ball was even snapped. And that's why he was able to make that play. And I think that that's really been kind of a, a, a you know, theme of this entire defense is that they already had kind of the foundation with the secondary, the veteran secondary with Stephon Gilmore, obviously leading the way, but guys like Collins and guys like Danny Shelton and the team's ability to find the right ways to use those players and get the most out of those players has added a really good element to this front seven that, maybe they didn't have last year and that they probably needed because they lost Trey Flowers and Trey Flowers was just such a huge part of that team's success last year. So to get this out of guys like Collins and Butler and Danny Shelton has really been massive for them. And it's, you know, I think we all thought it was going to be Michael Bennett that was going to do all this. And it's not that Bennett's been bad um, by any means, but it's really been those guys that have stepped up the most, I would say.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with you. and I think it's funny, like, you know, and Spags are saying, too, like, the Dolphins are terrible. But, like, the, the pick six by Gilmore was just such a beautiful play defensively. I mean, that's a rollout, you know, with the back coming in front of him. And Van Noy hits the back so he can't get out. And so Fitzpatrick's like, okay, I'll run. But Bentley's running with him, so he has nowhere to go. And then he's got the tight end, I believe is a tight end, inside. No, 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 I'm sorry. It's Parker inside. And Gilmore just baited him into the throw, and he's just hiding back there. But there's enough guys in his way that he probably doesn't never even sees Gilmore. And so, you know, you're talking about a play from three or four different guys where it's like everything was set there. Now, obviously, he, you know, maybe a good quarterback – well, probably a good quarterback doesn't make that pass. But even still, it was still a great play defensively. It doesn't make it any less of a a good play defensively where everything was covered perfectly. And so, yeah, maybe he throws it away. But it's third down, so he's trying to pick up the first down because – He's Ryan Fitzpatrick. But, like, you know, Tom Brady throws that ball away and just says, okay, let's punt, you know. But in that situation, it's still a great play by the defense. And, again, schematically and what they're doing defensively, they've just been so successful in in screwing everybody up and also just covering everybody. You know, I mean, that first game against Ben, he never had any pressure in his face. And yet there was nobody open all game long. He couldn't complete a pass. It's just what they've been doing has been fantastic, I think.
2: Yeah, the cohesion of the back end, I think, is probably – it's kind of the backbone of this entire thing, right? Like, the ability for the back end, starting with Gilmore and Devin McCordy, I would say, and, and, and John Jones is playing out of his mind, too, and yeah. so is Jason. I mean, everybody that back there is playing really, really well, but it's really the cohesion and – I think that defensive football, maybe even more so than offensive football, you got to have 11 people on one string and everybody's got to be pulling their weight and everybody's got to be doing their assignment, but also playing within the framework of the scheme. And right now that's what you're seeing is that everybody's pulling on the string equally and at the same time and going in the same directions and on the same page at all times. And that's why you're not seeing any of the, coverage busts in the secondary or guys running wide open receivers running wide open down the field and all these other things that you see maybe from this defense a couple of years ago or other teams around the league this year you just don't see that right now at the patriots and what it's doing is it's forcing teams to make consecutive unbelievable individual plays right like you got to beat our guys five or six times individually on a spectacular catch or a great run by the by the running back or a great throw by the QB five or six times just to get down the field on us and so far I mean listen Pittsburgh has had its issues with their kind of turnover at the skill groups with Le'Veon and AB leaving, and and Miami is certainly not a good team. But so far, those two teams haven't been able to make those plays consecutively. Now, we'll see what happens when they play like Kansas City, for example, and if those guys can put them together. But right now, the just the ability to not get – not have anybody add a position and not have anybody kind of being selfish and trying to go for the flashy player, the turnover or whatever the case may be has kind of just forced teams to really be mistake-free and make just individual spectacular plays and they haven't been able to do it.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're totally right. So now my question to you, is not whether they cover on Sunday, because they're obviously going to cover on Sunday. I know it's 22 and a half, but it doesn't matter. It's the Jets. Bill is going to want to score 90 against the Jets. But <laughs> my question isn't whether they cover. The question I have is, do you think the Jets score a touchdown? Because I think, when's the last, is it, was it 1962? Was it the 62 Bears? Or was it was like-
1: 76. It was 76. They had 76, 22 okay. straight quarters, steel curtain. So 22 go.
0: straight. All right, so, so do you think
1: 22 straight to start the season? I don't know if it was to start the season. longest. So to long- start oh, okay. the season,
2: Extreme. the last team to go three straight games to start the season without giving up a touchdown was the 1937. I want to say it was the Bears. It was it back in? Pretty 1937. Sure it was the Bears.
0: I remember the Bears. I didn't remember how long ago it was. Yeah, I thought thirty-seven night, it was kind of pre-merger,
2: ridiculous, but... pre-everything. You know, like now we go back to 1937. We're talking about the wishbone and the wing tee, and and we're talking about a completely different game at that point.
0: So do, to, do the Patriots tie that record on Sunday, do you think?
2: I, I think that they have a chance to. Now, I think Oh,
0: come on. That's a cop off. They have a chance to. Let's give us a yes or no <laughs> answer here. Come on, Evan.
2: Okay, all right. I'm going to go with yes. <laughs> I, I think that the, the Jets probably would get into the end zone if they had Sam Darnold at quarterback. Right. At some point in time, this team's going to give up a touchdown. They're not going to go the whole season without giving up a touchdown. You never know. No, they're (laughs) not going to go the whole year without giving up a touchdown. Uh, So I do think that the Jets will get into the end zone, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's late and they're already up 30 to nothing when it happens.
0: Yeah, right. Okay. All right. I like it. I, I love the way they were playing at the end of the game where they just, they wanted to hold that shutout so bad in Miami. They did the same thing and,
2: against Pittsburgh. They they, yeah. had, they called a timeout yep. at the end of the game. Yes, just. they did.
0: It was amazing. Uh, yep. That was awesome. So, All right. So uh, one final question for you. It's not Patriots related here, but uh, obviously uh, as everyone knows, Eli was benched this week for Daniel Jones. And uh, so the question has come up a lot and people have been talking about it and arguing about it and I wanted to hear your thoughts on it but do you think Eli Manning deserves to be or has earned the right to be in the pro football hall of fame
2: no that one I'll give a a definitive answer for you and this is not a Patriots bias I think that the Mm -hmm. hall of fame at that position especially you had to be a top five quarterback at some point in your career for some period of time for me to think that you're hall of fame worthy. You have to be in the MVP hunt at some point, or at least one of the upper echelon quarterbacks. And I never felt like Eli Manning was that I thought that guys like Roethlisberger and even Phillip rivers had more successful careers in that sense than Eli. But I do want to say Patriots fans, He's going into the Hall of Fame. Just come to terms with it. Like, we can argue about it. We can be mad about it. I totally get where everybody's coming from. He's, He's a, a man Manning. at the end of the day. He played yep, in New so York. Same time. He won two Super Bowls he's going into the hall of fame because Archie will burn the place down before he doesn't get in. (laughs) And that is just as simple as it is. It's going to happen. Now, do I think it's going to happen first ballot? I would like to think that the voters will show some restraint and not let him in first ballot, but he is going to get in at some point. And I think the biggest reason why he's probably going to get in is because he's beaten you twice in the super bowl. And that's going to hold a lot of weight to people. And what else is going to hold a lot of weight to people is unfortunately because of the era that he played in, he is in the top 10 or the top 15 of a lot of the counting stats. And that's going to really help him out a lot too. I mean, you're in the top 10 in career passing yards and you have two Super Bowls that came against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, you're going to get into the Hall of Fame when your last name is Manning. Like, those things all add up to Hall of Fame. So let's all just come to terms with it and just live with it and, you know, move on from the Eli thing because his career is over. Tom Brady won at the end of the day. He gets the last (laughs) laugh.
0: Well, so I actually want to argue for it, and I know that, you know, I know you say that he's going to get in, and I agree with you that he's going to get in. I know a lot of people are upset about it. For me, you know, here's a guy who beat the 18 and 0 Patriots. He's got two Super Bowl MVPs, and I know that he never played up to an an entire NFL season MVP, but you know, there's I don't think there's a player in in I don't think there's a player that has multiple Super Bowl MVPs that isn't in, it, it isn't in the Hall of Fame. And so, you know, you look at it like that, he has two Super Bowl MVPs also, and it's a ridiculous stat. And Matt Chatham called it a ridiculous stat when I told it to him on Facebook on Twitter. Earlier today, earlier yesterday, I don't care. I'm still gonna, I, I'm still yeah, gonna use it because really it, a it's a fun stat guy. for me. So I know. So, but the stat for me that I like, and I just kind of a stat that I made up on my own, but um, is you know drives in the fourth quarter or overtime of the Super Bowl to tie or take to tie the game or take the lead, and it's a long stat. Okay, it's a long explanation, but fourth quarter drives that either tie the game or take the lead in in the Super Bowl. Tom Brady is ten. Okay. So, I mean, like, it's ridiculous. But second on the list, number two all time is Eli Manning with three. So, like, to me, he leads two touchdown drives to win both Super Bowls in the fourth quarter, late in both fourth quarters. To me, that's enough. Like, the Manningham throw was an amazing throw. And obviously, you get the helmet rule. Obviously, you get the helmet catch, right? I mean, it's a fluke play. But the fact is, is that he brought them down and scored a touchdown to win both of those Super Bowls. Brady left the field in the fourth quarter with the lead and lost the game because of Eli Manning. And it didn't just happen once. If it happened once in, in 07, I think no. But because he did it twice, to me, it's, it's enough. And I, and I think that, you know, people can argue about it and say he wasn't great in the regular season, and that's fine. He wasn't great in the regular season. I think he sucked as a quarterback in the regular season. But the fact is, is that he's got two Super Bowl championships, and both of them were against the Patriots, and he and he won both of those games late in the fourth quarter with touchdown drives, it's just, to me, it's it's unquestionable as far as I'm concerned. I think it would be a joke if he got in on the first ballot, but I think he's definitely getting in at some point.
2: Yeah, well, when uh, whoever makes his, Kind of Hall of Fame pitch because they that's how they do it. Is they have a whole room of writers with Hall of Fame votes, and they somebody stands up and Ron Borges actually did it for Ty Law this past right, year. Right. Yep. They're going to use the argument that you just made. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's gonna. They're not going to talk about regular season stats. They're not going to talk about one sixteen and one sixteen. They're going to talk right. about his two Super Bowls. They're going to talk about those two drives, and that's probably going to be enough, along with his last name and playing in New York, to get him into the Hall of Fame and the NFL Hall. Fame we'll have one guy in there that's the hall of very good instead of the hall of great. And that's fine. You know, it yeah. is what it is.
0: Right. Right. There's plenty of guys in there like that. I in my opinion at least. But yeah. Know, so so anyways, I think that's I think that's all we got. You got anything else, Bags? There's nothing else going no, on. I mean the Jets no? another another layup this weekend. Can we just get to um, week? But-
1: what is it? Week week eight or nine after Cleveland, when it gets a little interesting, we'll be able to break some more stuff down. I mean, but still, I mean, yeah. God, they don't sleep on that schedule. back
2: end of that schedule. That's what I'm saying. No, I'm saying we got to get there. That's
1: what I'm saying. I can't wait for that because it's actually some good football that we can look forward to and yeah. actually get, you know, sit on the edge of our seat for once, but I'm not complaining. Right. They're killing everyone. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'll take it. I will take it. So I before we let you go, why don't you just, uh, Plug yourself a little bit, tell everyone where they can see you, hear you, read you, everything else.
2: Sure. It's uh C L N S Media C L N S. I say it too fast sometimes. Uh media.com. That is the website. My Twitter is at E Z L A Z A R. And that's where kind of the hub of where I post everything that I write, uh, my podcast, Pat's All 22, and also uh, where you can find our YouTube videos. We have a YouTube channel, CNS Media YouTube channel, where me and Alex Barth and Sierra and uh, Trags go on uh, during games and, and us uh, three, the first three I named during the week. And we do all sorts of videos on the Patriots, uh, usually about three or four of them a day. So that's always really cool too to uh, kind of get that side of it as well. And um yeah, just uh, go follow me on Twitter, go follow our Patriot C L N S Twitter account as well, and uh, you'll find everything that you need.
0: Nice. Yeah, I will tell you what, I mean, you're like you're like the godfather of uh of the uh you know, of the all twenty two breakdown, you know, the <laughs> the fit just the just the tape eater like, you know, just posting stuff on Twitter and then uh Insane. and you know, it started, I mean, really you were one of those guys that were doing it. I don't, I don't necessarily say it was before everyone else, but you were doing it, and now everyone's doing it. But you it long before everyone else was on board. So yeah, um, so I it's, got my you know.
2: inspiration from Baldi. Uh, he was like the first person that I really saw doing that much stuff with film on Twitter, and then a lot of us kind of came in the wave that I came in with like right after Baldy and some of the other guys started doing it. And now everybody, I think it's great, you know, and not everybody knows a hundred percent what they're talking about, but that's, you know, right. not here nor there. I was once upon a time, I really was throwing shit against the wall too. And you kind of <laughs> learn and you learn from people like Matt Chatham and Baldy and stuff like that. And and they help you kind of, uh, you know, figure out the game at a little bit of a higher level and, and you go from there. But I, I, I really, I, recommend everybody should get a game pass subscription and watch the games. Cause that's how I learned. I just learned by watching and, uh, and listening to yeah. people smarter than me.
0: Yep. Hey,
1: that's, that's what true. I'm trying to do right now. So, and I'm learning yeah, off you. So I, I really it encourage <laughs> it.
2: Don't, yeah, don't yeah. get demoralized. Uh, don't like let people. A lot of people. I posted a thing about Brady, a throw of Brady's yesterday, and I got all these Chiefs fans in my mentions telling me that it was nothing impressive and that I don't understand why I'm <laughs> glorifying the throw. And you know, don't let those people, you know, get in, in your way of doing it because I, I obviously think it's a great thing.
0: Yeah yeah and hey listen the it, chiefs fans can get my mentions all they want because all it does is get my impressions up so i'm good with that so you
2: <laughs> oh yeah <know. laughs> they love to like tell you that the only guy that's ever made a good throw is patrick mahomes you know oh, like no, nobody else in the league has ever made an right. impressive throw besides him yeah.
0: you know that's the way it goes <laughs> yep that's the way it goes so all right evan thanks man thanks for so much for coming on it's always a blast to have you on and uh you know we'll have to have you on again. Keep up the good work at CLNS, and like I said, bo- uh, guys out there, boys and girls out there, if you're not following Evan on Twitter, you're not following the CLNS guys and girls over there. They're just they're doing a phenomenal job, and it's uh, just it's a site you need to be paying attention to. So
2: thanks. Uh, I always love coming Amen. on with you
0: guys. Yeah, no, it's fun. We'll have to we'll have to have you on again. So it'll be it's uh, it's always fun. So
2: sounds good. All, All right. right, thanks, Evan. We'll talk right. to you soon, man. Sounds good, guys.